You're listening to the Reformational Anglican Podcast, the podcast that delves into the riches of Reformational Anglicanism for the good of the Church today. I'm your host, Sam Pilo, and today I'm going to be reading from the second homily, which is entitled, A Sermon of the Misery of All Mankind and of His Condemnation to Death Everlasting by His Own Sin. This homily was written not by Cranmer, but by a man named John Harpsfield, who uh, was a professor of Greek at the University of Oxford. Uh, The point of the homily really is to remind us that uh, as the descendants of Adam, firstly, we were taken from the earth. Uh, Adam was was taken from the, made from the ground. And so as descendants of Adam, we come from the ground. And the Bible tells us we've we've come from dust and we shall return to dust. Uh, So we're, we're creaturely, we're from the ground, we're also sinners. Uh, Adam sinned and fell and we fell in him. Uh, and so the point of this homily is to to humble us, to make us see that there's nothing good in ourselves, uh, and instead to uh, cause us to look to Christ, cause us to look to God for his uh, His mercy. And it's because of that, uh, that low view of human uh, righteousness, human ability to um, to save ourselves, that the reformers were so strong on uh, sola gratia and sola fide, uh, they were saved not, not through our own efforts, but uh, by God's grace and through faith. A Sermon on the Misery of All Mankind and of His Condemnation to Death Everlasting by His Own Sin Part 1 of 2 The Holy Ghost in writing scripture is in nothing more diligent than to pull down man's vain glory and pride, which of all vices is most universally grafted into all mankind even from the first infection of our first father, Adam. And therefore you read in many places of scripture many notable lessons against this old rooted vice to teach us the most commendable virtue of humility, how to know ourselves and how to remember what we are of ourselves. In the book of Genesis, Almighty God gives us all a title and name in our great-grandfather Adam, which ought to warn us all to consider what we are, why we are, and from whence we came, and for what we are destined, saying thus, By the sweat of your face shall you eat bread, till you return to the ground. For out of it you were taken, inasmuch as you are dust, to dust you shall return. Here, as it were, in in a mirror, we may learn to know ourselves to be dust, earth, and ashes, and that to earth and ashes we shall return. Also, the holy patriarch Abraham did well remember this name and title, Dust, Earth, and Ashes, appointed and assigned by God to all mankind, and therefore he calls himself by that name when he makes his earnest prayer for Sodom and Gomorrah. We read that Judith, Esther, Job, Jeremiah, with other holy men and women in the Old Testament, did use sackcloth and to cast dust and ashes upon their heads when they bewailed their sinful living. They called and cried to God for help and mercy with such a ceremony of sackcloth, dust and ashes that thereby they might declare to the whole world what a humble and lowly estimation they had of themselves and how well they remembered their name and title aforementioned, their vile, corrupt, frail nature, dust, earth and ashes. The Book of Wisdom, also willing to put down our proud stomachs, moves us diligently to remember our mortal and earthly origin, which we all have from him that was first made, and that all men, kings as well as subjects, come into this world and go out of it in the same way, 
that is, as of ourselves totally miserable, as we may see daily. And Almighty God commanded his prophet Isaiah to make a proclamation and to cry to the whole world. And Isaiah asked, What shall I cry? The Lord answered, Cry that all flesh is grass, and that all the glory thereof is but as the flower of the field. The grass is withered, and the flower falls away when the wind of the Lord blows upon it. The people surely are grass which dries up, and the flower fades away. And the holy man Job, having in himself great experience of the miserable and sinful estate of man, states the same to the world in these words. Man that is born of woman, living but a short time, is full of manifold miseries. He springs up like a flower and fades again, vanishing away like a shadow, and never continues in one state. And do you judge it meet, O Lord, to open your eyes upon such a one and bring him to judgment with you? Who can make him clean who is conceived from an unclean seed? And all men of their evilness and natural proneness are so universally given to sin that, as the scripture says, God repented that he had ever made man. And by sin his indignation was so provoked against the world that he drowned all the world in Noah's flood, except Noah himself and his little household. It is not without great cause that the scripture of God does so many times call all men here in this world by this word earth. O you earth, 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 says Jeremiah, hear the word of the Lord. This our right name, calling, and title, earth, 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 pronounced by the prophet, shows what we are in reality, notwithstanding any other style or title or dignity which men might attribute to us. Thus he who knows us best plainly named us, both what we are and what we ought rightly to be called. And thus he describes us, speaking by his faithful apostle St. Paul, All men, Jews and Gentiles, are under sin. There is none righteous, no, not one. There are none that understand. There are none that seek after God. They are all gone out of the way. They are all unprofitable. There are none who do good, no, not one. Their throat is an open grave. With their tongues they have used falsehood and deceit. The poison of serpents is under their lips. Their mouth is full of rot and bitterness. Their feet are swift to shed blood. Destruction and wretchedness are in their ways, and the way of peace they have not known. There is no fear of God before their eyes. And in another place St. Paul writes, God has wrapped all nations in unbelief, that he might have mercy on all. The scripture shuts up all under sin, that the promise by the faith of Jesus Christ should be given to them that believe. St. Paul in many places paints us in our colours, calling us the children of the wrath of God when we were born, saying also that we cannot think a good thought on our own, much less can we speak rightly or do good left to ourselves. As the wise man says in the book of Proverbs, the just man falls seven times a day. The most tried and approved man, Job, feared all his works. St. John the Baptist, being sanctified in his mother's womb and praised before he was born, being called an angel and great before the Lord, filled even from his birth with the Holy Ghost, the preparer of the way of our Saviour Christ, 
and commended by our Saviour Christ to be more than a prophet and the greatest that ever was born of woman, yet he plainly admits that he had need to be washed by Christ. He worthily extolled and glorified his Lord and Master Christ and humbled himself as unworthy to unbuckle his sandals and gave all honour and glory to God. So St. Paul often confesses himself that he always gave, as a most faithful servant, all praise to his Master and Saviour. So blessed St. John the Evangelist, in the name of himself and of all other holy men, however just they may be, makes this open confession. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we acknowledge our sin, God is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say we have not sinned, we make him a liar, and his word is not in us. Because of this, the wise man in the book of Ecclesiastes makes this true and general confession. There is not one just man upon the earth who does good and does not sin. And David is ashamed of his sin, but not ashamed to confess his sin. How often and earnestly and lamentably does he desire God's great mercy for his great offences, and asks that God should not enter into judgment with him. And again, how well does this holy man weigh his sins when he confesses that they are so many in number, and so hid and hard to understand, that it is in one sense impossible to know, utter or number them. Therefore he, having a, a true, earnest and deep contemplation and consideration of his sins, and yet not coming to the bottom of them, makes supplication to God to forgive him his unseen, secret and hidden sins, the knowledge of which we are not able to attain. He rightly weighs his sins from the original root and springhead, perceiving inclinations, provocations, stirrings, stingings, buds, branches, dregs, infections, tastes, feelings and sense of them to continue in him still. Therefore, he says, look and behold, I was conceived in sins. He does not say sin, but in the plural, sins, because out of one, as of a fountain, spring all the rest. Our Saviour Christ says, there is none good but God, and that we can do nothing that is good without him, nor can any man come to the Father but by him. He commands us also to say that we are unprofitable servants when we have done all that we can do. He prefers the penitent tax collector before the proud, holy and glorious Pharisee. He calls himself a physician, but not to those who are well, but to those who are sick and have need of his salve for their sore. He teaches us in our prayers to acknowledge ourselves sinners and to ask righteousness and deliverance from all evils at our Heavenly Father's hand. He declares that the sins of our own hearts do defile our own selves. He teaches that an evil word or thought deserves condemnation, affirming that we shall give account for every idle word. He came to save the sheep that were utterly lost and cast away. Therefore few of the proud, just, learned, wise, perfect and holy Pharisees were saved by him, because they justified themselves by their counterfeit holiness before men. Therefore let us beware of such hypocrisy, vainglory and justifying of ourselves.